Well, Psalms 23, let's take a look at this wonderful psalm that David wrote, one that we're very familiar with, but we're going to point out a couple of things as we go through it tonight. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the truths that we're going to be talking about tonight uh, when it comes to freedom uh, from stress is what are you saying? I love that David declared the Lord is his shepherd. He identified the Lord specifically. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. That was a confession and a declaration of his faith. We need to have that kind of declaration and confession of our faith in our life that the Lord is our shepherd. And then you can just go from there and see all the wonderful blessings and benefits of being a part of his fold and being a part of his flock. But we first and foremost must be willing to acknowledge and to say and to confess, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want or lack for any good thing. Then Jesus in Matthew's gospel, chapter 11, these have been our two foundational verses for this whole study on freedom from stress. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 through 30, Jesus gives us these words. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. We would say everybody who's stressed out. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In life, uh, we need to have uh, the understanding that we need to stay yoked up with Jesus. We need to stay yoked up with our Savior. Not only is he our shepherd, But he is the one who invites us, who gives us rest. And we're so humbled by that. We can learn from the Lord. There's a lot we can learn from him. And I just encourage us all just to stay close to him, especially when the pressure's on and when you're not at your best and when your mind is racing and your mouth wants to engage in ways that it's not profitable. So upon putting together this outline tonight, I was convicted in so many ways that I wondered if I was even qualified to share this message. But since the Lord has called me and graced me, I will uh, do my best to share what I believe each and every one of us need to be reminded of and some of the things that we need to be encouraged to do consistently again. I do say consistently because I, I think that Doing things occasionally, you get occasional results. Doing things consistently, you're going to get more consistent results. We know that principle is true in any area of life. So I want to encourage all of us as we go through this lesson tonight, let's become more consistent in our confession of faith. Let's become more consistent in speaking what God says about the situation, what God says about us, what God declares about us, And let's do our part by agreeing with God. And I'm all in for that. I know that my axe needs to be sharpened in this area. So I don't believe that I'm alone. Confession is one of these wonderful truths that I was taught really from a very young age. 
it was uh, foundational as far as the confession of my faith, the, dec- the declaration of my faith. Now, from the time that I accepted the Lord when I was 13 and through those formative years, I, I heard on uh, messages on uh, how powerful words are, uh, the purpose for God's word, how to put God's word to work, how to speak God's word, how to cause the mountain to be moved into the sea. Uh, all of these things were communicated over and over and over again. But throughout the years, if we're not careful, we can let those things slip away from us. We can, you know, uh, not forget about them, but we, we're not as diligent as we used to be. And, and we can even have uh, sort of a, an attitude like, yeah, yeah, I know that, I know that. And, and, but I, I want to remind us all that it's, it's what we're doing that matters. And uh, let's just... Uh, go to God's word with an open and receptive heart tonight. So we've defined stress in our study as it, it can be understood as the feeling of being overwhelmed, a burden, worried, or anxious due to outward appearances or human reasoning. And then I, I put down the key thoughts for our first three studies. All healthy change begins with awareness. I, I can't acknowledge something I'm unaware of. And so we have all understood that we have blind spots and It's not that I think most people are malicious. Uh, Most people aren't. Most people uh, just aren't aware of some of the areas in which they need to continue to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. And we're not to be one another's Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit is a really good job. But we can encourage one another and we can remind one another. We can pray for one another and support each other. Number two is we become what we behold. This is a very powerful principle in the word of God. We become what we behold. The more you behold something, the more you become like it. So let's look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. When you and I are tempted to get anxious, to get fearful, to be worried, to stress out, to take matters into our own hands, and we all fit into that category because we all like to be in charge. I I don't know a human being that doesn't like to have some degree of control in, in their own life. And the Lord knows that, but he wants us to yield and submit unto him as our good shepherd is the one that says, come and I'll give you rest in these moments. And I'm already convicted. I think I should just stop and just repent. How about the rest of you? <laughs> I'm not joking. I, I, when, when I start thinking about all that I've been taught and I've been blessed and how at times I'm not even applying a quarter of what I've been taught. I feel like, oh, Lord, forgive me. I've been given so much. I've been so blessed. And so um, if I work through my own convictions tonight and have moments of selahs and repentance, you'll just have to put up with me, okay? All right. All right, here we go. Uh, Number three. Where the mind goes, the man or the woman follows. Where the mind goes, the man or the woman follows. We talked about being very, very aware of what we're entertaining, the thoughts we're entertaining. Because pretty soon they become words and words become actions. And that's how that begins to take shape in our lives, either for good or for harm. So we learn in the account in the account of creation in Genesis chapter one, the importance and the power of words. I think it's just a phenomenal chapter. 
In Genesis 1, the phrase God said or God called is another way to say that is used 10 to 11 times depending on the translation that we're reading from. Uh, that in those, I think there's 28 verses in the first uh, chapter of the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, and, and God said, and then God said, and then God said, and, and that really begins to lay the foundation that when words are spoken in faith, then things begin to take shape and form. Things begin to take shape and form. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, reminds us that the worlds were framed by the word of God. I, I, I love that visual, were framed by the word of God. Everything has its jurisdiction, jurisdictions and boundaries. Everything has its jurisdiction. God is a God of order. He put everything in its proper place. And that's amazing unto me. Why? Why? The, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Your words and my words are invisible, and yet they're tangible, they're palatable. Uh, they impact people's lives in profound ways, and we want to use them for good and not for harm. They shape people's lives. They shape and they frame the world in which we live. If we wanted to put it down into a very simple principle here, the world that we're living in right now has been shaped and framed Many times by what we've been beholding, what we've been thinking about, what we've been speaking. And so if we can take the word of God and we can begin to put it in our heart and in our mind, then we can begin to see transformation and change inwardly. And then we begin to see transfer, uh, transformation and change in the world in which we live. I love that Jesus taught on the significance of words. In Matthew chapter 12, he said, by your words, you're justified. By your words, you're condemned. And then in Mark chapter 11, this famous lesson that he gave on faith, that he said it was very important for us to understand how a mountain is moved into the sea. And we understand faith is a part of that, but faith is released in words. You have to say to the mountain, be cast into the sea. You have to say to the mountain, so our faith is expressed through our words. And, and another way that we know that that principle or that is a truth in the word of God is that Paul shared the way we receive God's gift of salvation is when we confess or we say that Jesus Christ is Lord. We confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart. Paul was saying, in essence, the same thing that Jesus was saying in regards to mountains. He was saying that, the way that Christ becomes a part of your life is you receive him when you say Jesus is Lord. When you confess Jesus is Lord, he comes into our life. He also reminded us to hold fast to our confession of faith and don't waver, don't vacillate. So those are some great references that I want to remind you to look up and to begin to ponder. And these grand invitations, especially in the book of Hebrews, where he's saying, come into the throne of grace, come and receive grace and mercy to help in your hour of need. Let's put it in the language of our study. Come when you're all stressed out. Come when you're all flustered. Come when everything is a mess. And you'll find, as Jesus said, Rest for your soul. Come to the place. Come to the mercy seat. Come to a place where you can receive grace. He's always accessible, always available to us. 
I want to give you a simple definition of the word confess. The word confess means to agree with God. In its simple definition, when we're confessing Jesus Christ is Lord, we're just agreeing with God. God, yes. We're just agreeing with God's word. That's what confession is. Confession is also saying the same thing that God says about a situation. Saying the same thing that God says. So I'm agreeing with God, so I'm saying what God says about the situation. Do we need another moment of pause and reflection? Say about the situation what God says about the situation. Say about it, what he says about it. Our words do three things. They identify us, they set the boundaries of our lives, and they impact our mind, our mood, and our environment. They impact us and they impact others. Our words are very powerful. The book of Proverbs teaches that life and death is in the power of the tongue and so that we need to understand to use the tongue for the purposes of God. And then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 here uh, in a moment. But uh, I do want to prepare us for our time of discussion. And our question tonight here in a minute that we're going to begin to discuss and and talk about after we read Matthew chapter 6 is, in your life and in my life, to what degree does preparation help us to not give place to stress? Now, we've talked about expectations in this study. You know, we've talked about relationships. We've just talked about the common, every ordinary aspects of life that sometimes you know, just get under our skin or get in our head or wig us out or make us frustrated. And we've talked about work. We've talked about driving. We've talked about family. We've talked about health issues, money issues, you know, uh, sometimes just the responsibilities and uh, of change. Anybody ever get stressed out over change or anybody ever be concerned about, you know, traveling? Sometimes traveling causes people to be stressful uh, they don't want to get on a plane. They're not comfortable in, you know, in a, in a cylinder with wings at 30,000 feet in compressed air. That doesn't really cause them to be very comforted. Uh, most people, you know, uh, uh, once again, you know, are more comfortable if they're driving. Uh, some people aren't comfortable as passengers. Uh, they just don't feel comfortable there. It, it, it causes them, you know, to just uh, not, feel, not feel secure, not feel safe. Pastor Rich, he had a son in in Bend, Oregon. He went out there three years ago uh, for work. And he called his dad a couple weeks ago and he said, you know, I really, I need, I feel like I need to come back to North Carolina. So Pastor Rich flew out to Bend, Oregon this last week and they drove across the country. And uh, we were talking last night and, uh, and, and I said, how'd the trip go? And and he said, you know, it really went good. And I said, what made the trip so good for you? He says, well, I drove 90% of the time. <laughs> Point being said is that not that he didn't trust Hunter, but he just would rather be driving. And that way he knows that he's going to stay awake and he's going to, you know, keep plugging along. Anybody else, you know, if somebody else is driving, you ever feel a little bit of stress? <laughs> my granddad, when, you know, about three months before our family had to take away my granddad's driver's license, uh, I was with him and, uh, and it was, it was dusk, you know, one of the, 
more difficult times to drive and and granddad was uh, around 86 at the time and he said uh, hey uh, why don't we go to Safeway and I said uh, you want me to drive no get in all right oh boy and uh, if I could add uh, I mean you know getting that big old town car that Lincoln Continental so I, I sort of felt safe in that but because uh, you know it, it weighed 10,000 pounds and so we're in this old town car and I don't know that he sees a stop sign or a red light and oh by the mercy of God we made it the safe way and we made it home and then I called my mom lickety split and I said mom I said I just if I was a cat I would have lost six of my lives just going to the grocery store I said I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news but as the eldest child, I think you need to have a family meeting with your siblings and talk to granddad. And she said, Doug, I'm not, I'm not ready for that conversation. There's a lot of things that, you know, end-of-life decisions can cause people to be stressed. So we've talked about all of these matters, just practical stuff, holidays, all these things. We've talked about expectations. Tonight I want to talk about, you know, to what degree do you believe that preparation can help you to live free from stress. And I want you to think about that. And let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 6 right now. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. Very wonderful portion of Scripture in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching. He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. Once again, we become what we behold. He's saying, look, I want you to consider something else. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubic to a stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Here's a really key verse. Therefore, do not worry. What's the next word? Same. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for helping us to look at the things we need to look at, to consider the things we need to consider, and to pay attention to the words that we're saying. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding us of how big our Heavenly Father is, how faithful our Heavenly Father is, how much our Heavenly Father loves us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.